Welcome to another episode of A Most Horrible Library. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And we're here to talk about many, many fantastic horror-themed or related graphic novels, comic books, novels, crossword puzzles. No, not crossword puzzles. Sudoku. Sudoku. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, if you've ever been on like a five-hour plane ride with nothing but Sudoku, that is the closest approximation I have in my head of what it's like to play with the uh, Hellraiser Lament configuration. Because, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I've never been good with numbers anyway, but that shit is just, ugh, it's creepy. I don't know. <laughs> so how are, you, how are you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Surviving, hanging in there. Been uh, reading a fair amount of books. So I, I saw that you, first of all, you, there's two things I want to comment on that you sent me pictures of. One, the volumes of um, Lucifer, <clears throat> excuse me, Mike Carey's Lucifer. Mm-hmm. You picked mm-hmm. up the, the omnibuses, right? I think there's, is there two or three? There's two of them, um, and those tackle the original uh, three-issue miniseries and span all the way up to, I think, issue 75, which is yeah, the last I think it ended issue with 75, yeah. of that, you know, technically second volume, I guess, because they consider the miniseries to be the first volume. I forgot about the miniseries, honestly. I'm not even, I, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, I, I love this, the regular series. I mm-hmm, mean, I think, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's one of the best things I've ever read. It, um, just conceptually, it's amazing. But I'm not, I can't remember if I've read the miniseries, so I have to go back and look. Yeah, it was just the original three issue Sandman Presents Lucifer. Because they did that with like Death, they did it with the Corinthian. Uh, I think his was like Death and Venice or something like that. There might have been two for him, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I know, um, I know Death, she got two miniseries and High uh, Cost of Living and I forget what time, time of Your Life. Yes, there you go. There you go. Yeah, and there's also the little one shot of uh, death. Uh, death talks about life. I'm I'm pretty sure I have that, but man, which that one was more like a like a PSA kind of thing. Oh, is that you know, the one? She's talking about uh, like safe sex and AIDS yes, and all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Does she not put a condom on a banana? Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, at the time I think at the time that was a free issue as well. Yeah, I think it was too. Well, I mean, because I think I, it's it's only like six pages. It's very small. I have that somewhere. Or oh man, that's wow! I haven't thought of that in a long time. Oh my god, wow! But yeah, I nabbed that. Uh, yeah, that second omnibus of Lucifer, as well as the first of Books of Magic. See, now that's a series. I was so hot on those original Vertigo books. Mm-hmm. And I never read that one. And I, I, not by any, you know, I just didn't. I guess it was, I don't, I mean, it's weird. I would say it was already underway. So that, like, 
made me feel like I didn't know how to jump on, but that seems like bullshit because I picked up Sandman in the Kindly ones or the Kindly ones, however you say it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is like the second to last story arc. And then I went back and got, and and that was before they had collected anything other than the first three storylines into trades. So then I went back at the first three trades and there what there weren't more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, books of magic, uh, Tim Hunter, right? That's the character. Yeah. Tim Hunter, boy, wizard, you know, a lot of parallels to Harry Potter about it. Definitely about, Oh, I don't know. Six, seven, eight years before Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously visually they, they're identical. Um, yeah. I know at some point somebody asked Neil Gaiman, um, you know, don't you care? And he's like, no. Oh, yeah. So yeah I, th- yes. I thought it was super cool. He's like, no, it's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. He says, you know, we all borrow from everybody else. And, yeah. And, you know, and in all honesty, you know, he he's 100% sure that, you know, that, that J.K. Rowling, that, you know, she has no idea who, who he was or about the books at the time that she wrote that, you know, because they all take a little bit of, yeah. you know, from everything else. Definitely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so... So the other thing I wanted to to comment on that you showed me, so you've Mm -hmm. got the hardcovers for all of the original, I think it's five Hill House books, correct? Uh, Yes. All, yep, one, two, three, four, five of them, even though there was the secret sixth Hill House book. That was the plunge? The one that was like the... No, that was... um, So, okay, so there were, were... Five, technically six. There was um, the one that started the whole thing, which was a basket full of heads. Yes. Written by Joe Hill. There's the plunge also written by Joe Hill. There's Daphne Byrne written by Laura Marks. The Lolo Woods written by um, Carmen uh, Mikado and Dollhouse Family written by uh, Mike Carey. Who Uh, wrote Lucifer. Who wrote Lucifer. Um, but then when you're buying the singular issues of those, the last page or two, um, is salty dogs. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. I'm just going to correct myself real fast. It's sea dogs. Mm. Sea dogs. Salty dogs is a snack. It's a, uh, (laughs) a chocolate covered pretzel shaped like a uh, German shepherd. They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So you put those all together. You know, but spanning between the, um, oh God, what would that be? 26 issues, I think, is between all of those. And you have, you know, a full, you know, a full story in there. So, but I've been checking because I've been hoping that they would put that out as a, you know, as its own. Yeah, exactly. And maybe at some point they will. Because you know it is it is not included in the in the, uh, the these hardcovers. Now, did you read them all monthly, like single issues? Um, yes, yes, okay. I did. You know, and the hard part for me is that like I would read a lot of these, not necessarily in in order as they came out because. For these books, knowing that they were only going to be um, anywhere from five, or sorry, from six issues uh, in, in length, that you know, I wanted to be able to read them, you know, just read the whole thing at once. Right. 
you know, so for some of these, you know, I collected them all up until this, the run was done and then went back and just read the whole thing. Okay. Um, but because of that, because, you know, I would just sit down and read all of Daphne Byrne, um, you know, in the back, I would see, you know, part eight, part 12. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to bounce back and forth between each one just to read right. that little bit. So even though I could, it just feels like a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, it, it seems like the kind of thing, if you're saving them up like, like that, with, if you're saving the monthlies up, I could see how you wouldn't do it then. It seems like the kind of thing, if they don't collect it, to me, what that would be is a Saturday night where maybe I got some time by myself, you know, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to pull them all out of their pla- their bag and board. Mm. And um, which, you know, by the way, just for the listeners, like we're both collectors and we've been doing this our whole life, but I bag and board them for, st- I don't, I don't want them to be damaged, but I'm not one of these meticulous. It's just easier to store them in my opinion in bags, bags and board. So I pull them out of the bags and board and just lay them out and then go, you know, rearrange the issues so that they're in the order and then read it, you know, mm-hmm. split one, two, three, but yeah. it, it, it is a little bit of a process if that's the way you're reading them. And that's exactly what you just described. Like, so I tried to read a couple of these series monthly but i didn't put them on a pull list because long story short like you know for the listeners a friend of ours like started his own shop and so i have two shops and i was going to allocate the issues to him but because he started he's like a startup there were some distribution problems and then COVID happened and you know comics got canceled and yada yada. so at any rate i ended up with like you know issues like one two and five of lolo woods and i could not i mean these fuckers had low print runs and they sold out fucking quick so yeah. but yeah so okay so let's let's talk about these because the, i mean i feel like definitely now they have not been collected in anything other than hardcover at this point correct uh yes yeah i think it's just the yeah single issues or the the hardcovers so I feel like there are probably quite a few people out there that want to read these, but have not be based on the fact that they were low print runs that sold out quickly. Um, they're not collected digitally. Cause I know like our friend Bickness, he has complained to me in text several times. Like I keep looking for this shit on Kindle and I can't, it's not been released yet. So I'm holding out. He won't read them until it is. Uh, and you know, with DC and Marvel, they do it the same way where it's like they'll usually put the collection out in hardcover first, and then later on they'll do the trade. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, hardcovers are cost prohibitive for a lot of people and, and space prohibitive. Um, so there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of people I haven't read them. So let's go through them. I mean, I can speak to Daphne Byrne, but other than that, I'm just going to let you talk and, and I'm going to oh, ask sure, you questions. Sure. Sure. Now, uh, also, too, I do want to chime in on, on that. You can find them digitally, at least um, in my quick 10-second search right now, on uh, Comixology. But it's single issue, right? No, no, no. They do oh, really? Have, they do have the whole collection on there. Oh. But, but in all honesty, like, like I'm looking at it right now. You can get Basket Full of Heads for... 1650 for the whole thing digitally but at the same time you can go on amazon and buy the hardcover for like a few dollars more yeah definitely you know i think it's like i think it's like about 20 bucks for for the hardcover on amazon so you know so whatever you whatever you you decide to do you can uh, you can get it 
either way it looks. So it's probably come out since the last time Bickness complained to me in a text that he couldn't find it. So I'll have to check with him again and see if he's read them yet or if he even knows that they're there because he was waiting. So let's talk about Daphne Byrne. Um, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. So Daphne Byrne, let me see, which was, I think, the third or fourth maybe to, to, to come out from the um, – from the, the Hill House Comics uh, line, which for, for those of you who don't know, is a, an imprint of DC Comics. Which is like so cool that they gave him his own imprint. I thought that was just very, very cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, you know what? And actually, it looks like, no, Daphne Byrne, I believe, was the last one to come out. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. I, I think, are there new ones that came out later? That are like going monthly now, or no? It was just those these. It was just these five to start. Okay, um, I thought there I, was something else that started after. I know that I will definitely not hear back because the man is extremely busy and has no time for for the the, the peasants like myself. But I did reach out to Joe Hill <laughs> to ask him. Uh, you know, hey man, you know, loved loved all the uh, the books that came out. Are there any plans for any? more in the same imprint but uh yeah i'm not going to hear back on that <laughs> hey, you never know you never Probably know not, but you never yeah. know so if you're listening joe um dude get back to me man nice um now, now you know what's interesting i'm looking at the hardcover and um for daphne Byrne, i didn't realize this so it is hill house but it's also black label which is kind of they replaced. all are Okay, I, I didn't know that. So it's an imprint within Black. So I feel like this is the equivalent of like the the sub 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 genres in music, you know. Um, uh huh. Oh yeah. But either either way, whatever. I mean, Black Label has kind of replaced Vertigo. Um, I think to to Midland results. I mean, I I've not seen very much that I think is very cool but i mean they're trying but I, I i i don't know i think they're a little bit misguided at dc um however these are fantastic and so the thing about daphne Byrne, the reason why this one is the first one i bought the hardcover for i just did kelly jones i i love his art he was um let's see i know him best from uh he did a book in the late 90s or early 2000s called the hammer that i talked about on i think i know drinking with comics and probably on the horror vision our hmm. sister podcast and uh i just his art is very bernie writes and ask but also like oh man i don't know it's just so creepy and textured and horrific so this was definitely the one that was the most on my radar even though it wasn't one that joe hill himself actually wrote it was this um Laura Marks, and it's fantastic. It's a Victorian England era tale. A uh, young girl having her mother is going to a medium because, uh, like, to talk to her dead father and no, no her her dead husband. I'm well. That that's I meant. I, I'm sorry. I meant Daphne Burns' dead father. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, the mother's dead husband, and they're probably not being honest with her. You get that sense right away, but you're not sure to what extent. And meanwhile, Daphne is who she's mocked at school constantly, but she sees things, terrible, terrible things. And so the, both of these things kind of coalesce in the end. 
Um, oh man. So what, what's your take on Daphne Byrne? Uh, well, first I, I, I want to just, um, read the little plot summary for the listeners. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it is the voice from beyond the veil. In the gaslit splendor of the late 19th century New York, rage builds inside 14-year-old Daphne with the sudden death of her father uh, has left her alone with her grief-stricken mother. Um, Emotionally adrift and living outside her means, the widow becomes easy prey for a group of occultists promising to contact her dead husband. While fighting to disentangle her mother from these characters, Daphne experiences a genuine supernatural encounter, a strange insidious presence in her own body, brother, a charming entity with unspeakable appetites visits her in her dreams and whispers in her ear. Soon Daphne is sharing his terrifying power, a demon, a ghost, her own hallucination, Daphne can't be sure of what brother is or what he wants. And even if she knew, could she stop him? Would she want to? So that's kind of the, uh, the back of the book description there. Yeah. I, for one, I really, really enjoyed this, this one, you know, it kind of hit all the marks for me, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the, the setting, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for, you know, for period pieces. Yeah. You know, both in, you know, in film and in print. Um, you know, so seeing that kind of Victorian era, you know, New York and just their uh, their sensibilities, you know, discussing how, you know, this is this is improper, you know, that yes. is, you know, mind your manners. You know, it would be indecent for a young lady to be seen walking with a with a man <laughs> after dark, and just all that kind of stuff. You know, just the the etiquette. You know, in everything. Really. And I love. You know, it's interesting. This really um, kind of dovetailed. So you gave me copies of Mark Frost, who like. Most famously, I mean, he's done so many things for TV and print, uh, but most famously, he's David Lynch's co-creator on Twin Peaks. And he wrote some books in the early 90s that featured um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle as the, the protagonist. And you you gave me, you gifted me both The List of Seven. List, list of Seven, yeah. And Six Messiahs, which is the sequel. So List of Seven, I read. I haven't read Six Messiahs yet. The list of seven is very similar to this in that it starts out with Arthur Conan Doyle going to, well, basically being uh, summoned by a woman to go to this mediums because she thinks that they're, you know, pulling the wool over her eyes and then all this bad stuff happens and Mm -hmm. it it runs this line between supernatural and not supernatural. But it was just an interesting thing to be reading this and that almost concurrently. Um, what you said about like the etiquette and whatnot of the Victorian era is really interesting because also, also it's such a violent and filthy era. And so I always loved the juxtaposition of that where it's like in indoors, everything is prim and proper. And then you walk out into the street and there might be, you know, somebody in, you know, a whore fornicating in the alley and there's, you know, piss and blood on in, in the gutter. And, 
it, just you know violent um i don't know it's oh. just it's such an oh, interesting yeah yeah, it, yeah just a, it's a it's a yeah really really you know great and it makes for a great visual setting too you know yes. we have you know that is kind of the whole era of the um you know, uh, the, the, just the industrial age. Yes. Soot and everything's dirty because of it. You know, the smokestacks yeah. belching smoke and, and whatever into the sky and then the rain bringing it. It's, it's just really, and Kelly Jones fucking shines like not only with, you know, just shit like, you know, inside like the drapery and the, the furniture and stuff like that, but also like the dresses and the clothes, like mm-hmm. he, it's so well recreated and it just fits his style so perfectly that I, I'm looking at like the heaving bosoms and, and like, Oh my God. It's yeah, oh. yeah you are. <laughs> it's so dude. It's so good. It's, he has a, a, a knack for drawing like the meat of the, of human bodies where like apparitions will be, will almost look more skinless. Um, you know, if you mm-hmm. pick, kind of picture what Brother Frank looks like in the first Hellraiser as he's kind of being recreated, it's something yeah, like that, yeah. but done with, with his particular style. And it's just it's just gorgeous. Oh, man. Now, in, in a macabre way. Now, you know, it's really funny to me that you had uh, compared Kelly earlier to, uh, to Bernie Wrightson because Kelly was also uh, – he was handpicked by Bernie to yep. take over and finish – um, Frankenstein, Frankenstein, alive, alive. That uh, yeah. that Bernie and Steve Niles were working on, um, you know, due to uh, the fact that Bernie was 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 dying. Yeah, and he did. I mean, he did a remarkable job. And oh yeah, also, oh, definitely. It's it's one of those things where I don't know if it was because he was handpicked, but I remember thinking in in twenty when did that come out? Twenty nineteen, I think twenty twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Oh, I think it's 2019. It finished, and, uh, but I remember thinking in 2019, this is the kind of thing where the the, the comic book like community is so elements of it are so just mean and like venomous. Where I just pictured he was going to get all this hate, and and I don't know if it's just because people that are Bernie Wrightson fans are better people. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know when it, you know, when it comes to reading comics, but I feel like everything about it went perfect for him. It was celebrated. And like, yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, what are you going to do? Bernie Wrightson's dying. Like if you want an end yeah. of the book, it's something, you know, something's got to give. And he's just the perfect person. He, it, Oh, it's beautiful. It looks like, yeah. Frankenstein alive, alive um, started getting published in 2012. But okay, but I think it took. Yeah, it took a while to get to get all wrapped up. Yeah, it, it, it's exquisite. That's that's something we should on a future episode we should do a deep dive into, for sure. Into, into the life and times of Bernie. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? And I happen to know um, one one enthusiastic. Uh, um, Viking Chicagoian. Yes, I was just thinking the same sit, thing. Sitting down with us, he, and he knows so much about John. Knows so much about his technique. So John Bickness, for the listeners, he he was on a uh, an episode of the Horror Vision. I don't know a year and a half ago or something like that. We did Headhunter as the main movie, but he, um, he he was he told me, I 
Wrightson would ink with like a raven's quill or something like that, the feathers to get like certain effects. And I it just blew my mind. I was like, what? Like, whoa. Wow. I did not I, know I, that. <laughs> it might not have been a rate. I'm pretty sure it was, but I might be misremembering that somewhat. But this is the thing. We have John on and he could talk about it. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, good. So if you're listening, John, uh, we're going to get you uh, going to get you in yeah. here soon. Definitely. So what about the other Hill House books? Um, give me your, what, what was your favorite one, if you had one? My favorite one, um, other than Daphne Byrne, would be uh, The Plunge. Okay. Uh, so this one was written by Joe Hill, with art by uh, Stuart um, Imonen. I hope I'm saying that right. And this one here, it felt to me like a love letter to the 80s uh, style. It felt very in the same vein as like The Thing. Oh, wow, okay. It's it's aquatic horror, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's like an oil rig or something like that? Um, well, not quite. So I'll, okay. give you, I'll give you the, uh, again, the little rundown on the back here. It was Plunge, <laughs> see what they did there? Plunge into <laughs> Terror. In 1983, a state-of-the-art drilling ship, the Derelith, vanished near the Arctic Circle. Decades later, it has begun sending a distress call. Tracing the signal to a remote atoll in the Bering Strait, the Rococo Oil Company hires the Carpenter Brothers. Ah, nice. Yeah, See what yeah. they did there? Yeah. And their salvage crew to investigate the ghost ship. Joined by a marine biologist and an oil executive, the brothers set out on a grim mission to learn what caused the disappearance and recovery of the bodies of the crew, only to find that the derelict's men aren't dead even if they aren't also not quite alive anymore. Ooh. Yes, this one was a lot of fun. You know, it, it hit all of those 80s character tropes for me, you know, from the, the gruff captain of the, uh, of the ship, um, you know, to the, uh, the, the jokey kind of, you know, sarcastic crew, to the sleazy um, oil executive, which I'm like, okay, this is basically, you know, Paul Reiser from Aliens, yep, you know, yep, being, yeah, yep. <laughs> being, being, the, being the company man. Um, but I mean, but there's also, there's so many like, just like little, little things in here. You know, you got a character named McCready. Nice. Um, and yeah, and it, you know, it turns into this whole thing with um, involving uh, I mean, I don't know how much I really want to spoil. No, don't this. don't say anything else. I mean, I'm already sold, and I I, I would imagine a lot of. It, I feel like that just the comparison to Carpenter's The Thing, you know, and then just I don't know it, it this the synopsis from the back. I mean, I already already wanted to read it, but now even more so. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, this is like it is the best movie that John Carpenter hasn't made yet. Right. Nice. Uh, what about the others? Okay, so following up, uh, I'll go with the uh, the Lolo Woods. So this one is by. Oh, I'm trying to. Hey, hey, go ahead, just turn oh. the pages. A, turn the pages a couple times. I, I, it's coming through the mic, and I just love the sound. 
Is that coming through? Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Okay, there you go. So it is written by Carmen Maria Mercado, um, featuring artwork by Danny. That's all it says. It just says Danny, D-A-N-I. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so the premise on this one is there's something in the woods. Shudder to think, Pennsylvania. That's the name of the town, Shudder to think. Oh, nice. So Shudder to think, Pennsylvania has been on fire for years. The woods are full of rabbits with human eyes, a dear woman who stalks hungry girls, and swaths of skinless men. And the people of Shudder to think... Well, they're not doing so well either. When Elle and Octavia wake up in a movie theater with no memory of the last few hours of their lives, the two teenage dirtbags embark on a horrifying... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. The, the two teenage dirtbags. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> they, uh, they embark on a horrifying journey to uncover the truth about the strange town that they call home. So, yeah, so this one I read, this was one, I think I had one, two and like five based on the way that the poll went or whatever. So I never, I, you know, and it's been since like, I don't know, April or May or something since I read anything. Um, but I really, I, there was a definite ominous tone that I enjoyed and I, I need, I need to get this hardcover and finish this because that, what you just, it's just the dirt bags. It's the dirt bags. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that's kind of what they are, you know. This this pair of girls, you know, they are very much the kind of social outcasts, you know. But but it's it is pretty interesting, you know, like this town that they're in. Um, you know, it it is a former big booming uh, coal town. Yeah, and now that, it's not. And now you know it it has a uh, it's on fire underground for the past five years. Yeah. You know, which that is based on uh, on true stories because I forget the name of the town, and I think they even kind of modeled that after, uh, or they modeled the kind of Silent Hill uh, mythos oh. around that same kind of thing. Uh, you know, about these one of these coal towns where it did catch on fire, and you know the whole town now is a ghost town. Um, you know, cause it's just, it's not safe to live there anymore, but you know, there is still fire burning underground in, I can't remember what the name of the real life town is, but so it is set in a town very similar to that. It, it definitely had, I see, I don't remember the, it, I'm laughing about the dirt bags thing because I don't remember them being dirt bags. I remember them being kind of like, I guess, I don't know, kind of more like stoners or, you know, um, and uh, it, I, I just remember there was a, f a definite sense of like frustration and claustrophobia in this town. Like a lot of characters in these kind, you know, it's also making me think of um, like Baraska a little bit. It has not quite the same, but there's a similar thing where it's a small town and there, you know, there was a boom, the boom's gone. So I don't know. But, yeah, um, there there is that feeling of being trapped in yeah. the town. You know, not necessarily physically trapped, but more financially and economically trapped. Yeah, so that there are lots of as people. A teenager. Yeah, exactly. You know, like your family, they just don't make enough money to yeah. to move, so they're just kind of stuck in this, you know, destitute um, 
you know, kind of dilapidating town. Yeah. Um, so again, yeah, that one is a very, it's a very good read. Uh, I did enjoy that one. So that leaves um, what basketful of heads and dollhouse, right? And dollhouse. So yeah. So I was going to get into dollhouse family next. Um, so that is written by um, Mike Carey, who actually did use his his um, novel pen name M R Carey, right? Of M R Carey. I was going to bring that up. Um, who readers or I'm sorry, listeners may not know this, but he also wrote. Um, the girl with all the gifts. He wrote the girl with all the gifts, which uh, the novel, which got turned into a film that he also wrote the screenplay for. Yeah. He wrote the 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 sequel novel um, or prequel novel, I should say, the boy on the bridge. Okay. And uh, and he has a slew of uh, of yeah, other, novels other novels too. Yeah. You know, he do, he does have another uh, a series that is a very uh, John Constantine type type you know um exorcist for hire kind of vibe yeah um yeah and so when he publishes you know in the in the, the novel form he does do it all as mr carry but you know but we know him as mike from lucifer yes and a number of other things yeah so this one i really did enjoy this one so again from the back of the book what secrets does the dollhouse hold on Alice's sixth birthday, she got the gift she didn't know she always wanted. A big, beautiful 19th century dollhouse, complete with a family of antique dolls. In no time at all, the dollhouse isn't just Alice's favorite toy, it's her whole world. And soon, young Alice learns that she can magically enter the house to visit a new group of friends straight out of a heartwarming children's novel, The Dollhouse Family. But in the real world, her family's life is much darker, and deep within the dollhouse's twisting halls, the black room awaits. With an offer to Alice, the house can fix all of this, the room says. All she has to do is say the words. And so, I mean, for me, when it comes to to horror, you know, I do like these type of stories that kind of center around children, Mm -hmm. you know, because there is just that like kind of innocence and naivete. Naivete. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that, that, that children have, and it makes them such easy targets for, for the supernatural. Yeah, definitely. You know, they just, they, they tend to lack that kind of common sense and, Due to that, you know, it, it, it helps to open and have have these kind of stories that normally you wouldn't be able to have with a with an adult, right? Um, but yeah, this one is really, I really really enjoyed. Had a beautiful artwork from um, uh, Peter Gross. Oh, so they who he did Lucifer with um, Mike here and uh, Unwritten, I believe as well. But yeah, he was the main artist on Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Books of Magic. Books of Magic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this one too, I mean, Sean, especially for liking Daphne Byrne, I think that of all of the other Hill House books, this would be the one that you would gravitate to more. Okay. Um, both in terms of the, the artwork, um, 
the story itself, but also too, because it does also dive into that kind of 19th century kind of vibe to it as well, you know, of of that Victorian, because that's, you know, it it is, it's a large like Victorian house with these Victorian era dolls. And you kind of get a lot of stories in there as well. And you know, and for me too, just Mike Carey. You know, we, we've we've gushed enough about Lucifer in this episode um, to know that you know we we are fans. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think that's the one I'll, I'm gonna get next, definitely. Um, and just I forgot that it was Carey and, and Peter Gross. So that right away, just immediately, I'm like, I I have to, I have to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, I'm going to end the the dive here of the Hill House comics with the the, the book that that launched the uh, the imprint, which was Basket Full of Heads from uh, from Joe Hill. And this one too. I mean, you want to talk about an '80s feeling story? You know, it, it's going to be this one. You know, the whole book takes place in in 1983 um up in up in maine and oh. in a town called brody island maine i didn't realize any of the uh, like i didn't really know what this one was about at all well th- this one here i mean i feel like this one definitely could have been a like a low budget direct to a vhs tape that you would have seen you know, in the horror vision of a small independent, you know, video store back in the eighties. So, okay. I'll give you the rundown on this one. So heads will roll. June branch is in trouble. She's trapped on Brody Island with nowhere to run. Her boyfriend, Liam has been kidnapped Four bloodthirsty escaped convicts will stop at nothing to find her. All poor June has to defend herself is a strange Viking axe with the terrifying power to decapitate a person and leave the head still talking. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Uh, If she's going to save Liam and herself, June will have to keep a cool head or even a basket full of them. Yeah, so that's kind of the kind of the, you know the premise to this is that you know a big, uh, big storm hits this small little island, washes the the bridge out. Um, meanwhile, there are some escaped convicts, uh, you know, running around, orange jumpsuit, all that. They kind of take refuge in, um, not her father, her boyfriend's father. I'm, I, I haven't read this since it came out right, right. Uh, last year, but basically she takes refuge in, um, you know, in a, in this big giant mansion and inside there um, is basically like the, the, the museum section of the mansion, you know, where, you know, there's lots of collections of, uh, yeah, particularly Viking things, you know, a lot of it, and it's up there in Maine, which, uh, you know, Supposedly, that's that's kind of the area where uh, the Vikings, you know, had originally come over in yeah, the right, 11th right. century, you know, way before Columbus and all that. Um, and yeah, basically, yeah, power kind of goes out. House gets besieged by these uh, convicts. 
and she, looking around for a weapon to try to defend herself, she grabs this old Viking axe and discovers that, you know, you cut somebody's head off, well, the head keeps on living. That's fucking great. Wow. Yeah, I. <laughs> it re- yeah, this one really is a fun book to read because it does. It definitely kind of put me in that like 1980s. I could totally see that. Just the conceptually kind of vibe to it. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, it was. Let me see. It was I'm trying to see who the illustrator of this one was. Um, Leo Max. Okay. Unfamiliar, but I, I mean, I know the little bit that I saw it looked cool. Yeah. It said, well, it says he's also known for Lucifer as well, too. Okay. Yeah. This was actually the biggest of the, uh, of all of the books where each one was a six issue. Um, this one during the, the middle of the run did get um, expanded into a seventh issue. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that one is going to be a bit a bit bigger. Um, I mean, all all in all, I really enjoyed the um, everything that this imprint has put out. Um, you know, it has a has a strong uh, diversity of of horror styles, um, as well as just writing styles and themes. Uh, you know, pretty much like it, it's it's very all encompassing. You know, with with one exception, and hopefully it's something that I you know that I would like to see in the, their next run. I would like to see um, the Hill House comics take of um, like cosmic horror. Yes, definitely. You know, some some cosmic horror. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more kind of body horror. Um, but yeah, this was a great run. And, um, yeah, I am really fingers crossed hoping that they announce, you know, soon that they are going to do another round of these. Yeah. Cause I, I really enjoyed them. That would be fantastic. So, um, while, while we have been talking, I, uh, I was looking on eBay and, and Amazon. So I ended up ordering Dow, uh, dollhouse family from Amazon. It's 20, 2099. Oh, so, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So I, 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 I yeah, I was about to go Lola Woods uh, just because I had started. I mean, I'm going to get them all eventually, you know. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so for people out there, they they it's easier to get. I think feel like now the prices come down a little bit. It's it's a little bit easier to get now than it was a few weeks ago or months, um, which is cool. And and hopefully there will be, you know, like you said, more series, especially because if he's kind of curating others, you know, other writers as well, other artists it's not like it's all on him. Cause like you said, he's a busy man. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see what else that, that he does with DC. Yeah. I mean, of the five, well, I guess te- of the technically six stories uh, that Hill house put out, um, he, he did three of them. Yeah. So right. And he, then, yeah, he did basketball heads. He did, he did plunge and he did sea dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And then handpicked uh, the rest. Yeah, which is it's very cool. Um, yeah. So, what about you? What, what do you got? What do you? Uh... So, I just wanted to talk uh, briefly about a couple things that I, I'm reading right now. Um, so, I got th- three books here. Uh, if you have, 
listeners out there, if you have a comic shop, you can still find all of these from number one. They're pretty much brand spanking new. Um, first one is the picture of everything else. And this is from Vault, who uh, their, their Nightfall line, which also is responsible for the plot, Black Stars Above, and um, Autumnal, all of which I, I love. And, and we'll talk about it at some point. But uh, this is Dan Waters. I don't know if it, it looks like Waters, but there's two T's. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm needlessly yeah. mispronouncing it. I'd say, uh, I'd, art, I'd, I'd say Waters. Okay. And Art and Colors by Kishore Mohan. Um, so this is a sequel to um, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Kind of. It's not like a hard sequel where it has anything to do with Dorian. And, and and full disclosure, I've never read a picture of Dorian Gray. And and this just, you know, makes me realize what a spectacular oversight that is. So I, I need to do that. Um, but it's, it's really cool. The art is it almost at times has looks like it's watercolored. And it's just, it starts with kind of, you're in the, the rich kind of upper crust of, of France at the, I believe the turn of the century and the turn of the last century. And um, you've got a party where there's a, a wealthy madam and she has all these guests and two of the guests are th these guys that end up being kind of uh, you know, they're not exactly what they appear. They steal some stuff, they run out, but th there's this whole discussion going on. This is when photographs are really picking up. Mm -hmm. as, as a new thing. And so it's the discussion is, is this going to replace paintings? Ah. And so th there's these two guys are talking about this artist, this painter. And it's, it turns out it's a guy that painted the picture of Dorian Gray. Although there, oh. I'm a little unsure how that is because there seems to be like, a, he goes by a different name or something, but this is probably because I haven't read Dorian Gray that I'm not completely following this. But at any rate, um, there's, one of them ends up becoming an understudy to him because they both have artistic designs, but there, there's this, the same with Dorian Gray, what I know about it, there's this, you know, um, when that came out, it offended French society because of, <laughs> it, it was really into this hedonism, right? Uh, and uh -huh. So this plays with that thing with the hedonism and what ends up happening is you see at some point that this guy has, he's doing paintings of other people. At some point he tears one up and then you see the actual person who the painting was made of rip in half. Oh, shit. And like literally just like, you know, blood everywhere, whatever. And so then the issue ends with this, this one of these two guys from the beginning, like becoming his understudy. So not a lot happens. It just, it kind of sets up the premise, but it, I'm really looking forward to reading this. It's, it's gorgeous to look at and uh, just very intriguing. So there's that from Vault. Um, now, now, oh, go now, ahead. No, go ahead. Now, Sorry. Now, is that going to be a mini series or is it yes. going to be? A, it's an ongoing. Uh, without looking, I believe most of their stuff is most of the stuff Vault is doing is they tend to be mini series. Um, okay. Okay. So I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> Let's see. I don't know if it's going to be six issues, eight issues. Uh, there's probably somewhere online where I can find that out. I generally don't read too far into that because I like to not necessarily know when the last issue's coming. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I believe it'll be a mini series. It's it's good. I think you dig it. 
Okay. Um, and and again with the the period piece especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, next aftershock comics has this book knock them dead by Elliot Rao and Maria Monaco. This one's cool. Um, so it's, it's in Chicago. So I'm a Chicago, you know, uh, that's where I lived the first 30 years of my life. And it starts with somebody on the L and it's just, it's just the die. There's no dialogue, but it starts with, um, you know, you're hearing the train like doors closing for Paulina. This is the Brown line train going North next stop Addison. So these are all things that I, I know very well. And it's, it's about a, a young guy who's, he wants to be a stand-up comedian and he just, he's going out and his parents died recently. He lives with his older sister and uh, he's just going out night after night anywhere he can to do stand-up and he's bombing left and right. And he, it just doesn't phase him. And then, he meets somebody that's kind of already into the local scene, but hasn't gotten bigger. And then something happens to them that is going to kick off this thing in the next issue, which apparently like, I I mean, I don't really know how much I want to say, but it looks like what's going to end up happening is somebody in the book is going to die, but, but continue to function. So they'll be dead, but they'll still be walking around telling jokes apparently. Oh, nice. Um, but it was cool. It was an intriguing concept and, you know, unlike anything I'd really seen before. So that was interesting. And then lastly, um, from IDW, and this, I think this is going to be eight issues, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I did read that somewhere. Um, sea of Sorrows, writer Rich Duick, artist, colorist Alex Cormack, um, just aquatic horror um, takes place on a boat there. Um, I'm trying to think of what year this is. I don't remember. It's not present day for sure, but there are um, a bunch of people on this boat and they have a, 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 like a wealthy sponsor who's got them out there because, okay, 1926, the Flemish Cape, North Atlantic ocean, 350 miles off of St. John's Newfoundland. They're, they're trying to go down and retrieve, gold from a sunken ship and so the art is fantastic they really play with black like Mm -hmm. when they're underwater it's dark it's super dark it reminds me a lot of i heard an interview with um the writer of underwater brian duffield and he was talking about how he was really inspired um by a theater company. I forget the name of the theater company, but to use, to play with darkness and underwater definitely does it as film. And I feel like this book does it as well. And it's cool because, you know, underwater, dude, underwater to me is fucking scary. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about (laughs) underwater. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just deep water in general. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's fucking outer space, but on earth, you know, fuck who knows what the fuck is down there. So they kind of play with that. And, they do a really good job of, you know, it's those, I forget what they're called, those old deep diving suits where it's all iron, you know, mm-hmm. um, very iconic looking and just creepy. There's a claustrophobia because of the darkness and and you feel the weight of the ocean kind of when these people are down there. And then there's, of course, similar to what you're talking about, the plunge. 
there's not the most altruistic reasons for people being involved in this. And, you know, when people start dying, the, the bottom line is retrieving the gold. It's not taking care of the people on the ship. Yeah. So it'll be cool to see how it plays out. Now, I, I, I might be completely wrong about mm-hmm. this, but just in looking at some of the art in that, mm-hmm. uh, it, it looks to me, you know, going back to what you're saying about, you know, playing with, you know, playing with the darkness, you know, it, it looks like a lot of the artwork was done um, kind of, I don't want to say in reverse, you know, I, I'm not an artist. I don't know there's technical terms for it, but it looks like there was, you know, whites and colors that were actually drawn onto black. That's probably exactly what gives it that. I would almost guarantee you're correct. Again, I also know nothing about art. Um, but yeah, because it, it really, the darkness permeates the page at points so mm-hmm. that would make the most sense if they were working in reverse like that 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 sounds correct yeah that, i mean i'm just cool. kind of zooming in on on some here and yeah i think that's yeah yeah that really does set the tone you know just for going down in into the black yeah and just the the way they light it um, in the darkness, you know, it's it's just I don't know, it's it's really cool. And like I said, you get I felt the weight of the water. Yes, yes, I, that's a, I thought that's that a great cool. way to that's a great way to do to describe that. But it, it's a, it's a cool book, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of it for sure. I I, I almost didn't pick it up. I don't even know why. I just, I, I remember like I paused and didn't grab it. And then um, a friend of ours, who uh, Eric, who does uh, Indie Comics Jones, he does these little, like he does these videos where he'll go through a book and talk about like he'll recommend it or not recommend it. And then he'll kind mm-hmm. of flip through the book. And just the, the little bit of the art I saw in his high recommendation, I was like on it, you know, definitely. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he posted that because I, I would have kicked myself to miss this one. Yeah, now see, this is one that I I did I, I I didn't hear anything about it. I just kind of stumbled upon it while I was browsing in a my local comic book shop, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, for me it was the cover that really grabbed me. Um, the cover of uh, issue one, um, you know, basically shows yeah somebody in one of those old timey kind of you know diving apparatuses you know, towards the top of the page, looking like he's scrambling, trying to get upwards. Yeah. You know, and, and it's virtually an entirely black yes. uh, cover, too. It, it has what we were just talking about with the pages mm-hmm. in the book. It has that feel. And, uh, yeah, and then you see all these kind of, like, white bubbles around him, and then all the way at the bottom of the page, like, looking up at him, you know, kind of mouth, mouth agape, um, you know, looks like the silhouette of what I would assume would be a, uh, a mermaid or some other kind of, you know, humanoid um, bottom dweller. Yeah. It, in it, that sense. It yeah. seems like in the second issue, they kind of start to really introduce, I guess, what the monster is going to be. And it, I believe it is going to be a very uh, monstrous take on mermaids, which I know like that's kind of, be, you know, mermaids are one of those things that where, where they are, you know, where they went in popular culture over the last 20 years is very different from where they started. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not, you know, Ariel and like, oh, we're going to sing and dance and everything's <laughs> cool. It's, it's fucking horrific. I mean, the sirens, right? They would, they would um, lure sailors out into the middle of nowhere be, 
and then, you know, with their call and then, oh my God, there's this beautiful naked woman. And then they fucking basically, you know, butcher them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, I feel like there's been a couple things that have played with that recently. And, and so I, I like that. I don't know if that's all that this is going to be or, or, you know, what their take is going to be, but so far it seems like it's going in that direction. So it's, again, it's just, it's a, a very cool book. And, and it has that synergy of art and, and writing where I feel like I blew through the first two issues so quickly, like almost to a fault where it's like, (laughs) I need to reread them again before three. Well, I mean, also that's because we read so much at this point. I feel like, you know, um, it's stuff just gets jumbled, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. All three of those books, like I said, anybody out there, if you're interested, you can, you know, stumble into your local comic shop and they're going to have them and they're, they're all available digitally as well. So definitely worth your time. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to go out at least at least five issues going by uh, IDW's site. They have okay. uh, co- the covers for you know at least the first five issues. So That's hopefully cool. it'll continue further. So yeah, well, okay. Um, you got anything else you want to call it? We got another episode that'll be coming, sh- you know, shortly. Hot on the heels of this one. We won't say who we w- will be having on it, but it's possibly somebody that we both very much want to talk to yes uh yeah absolutely looking forward to uh recording that one um and then i know that in the future here um i'm planning on doing a deep dive into (laughs) gonna try to lighten things up a little bit and do a deep dive into the realms of the uh archie horror comics that have been coming out in the last couple of years very cool. I, I and and which is the catalyst behind the the, the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Um, that is correct. Yeah. And and just really, you know, without going into it now, I'll just say like we talked about this back on Drinking with Comics. I don't remember if if that was before you were on Drinking with Comics or if it was while you were on Drinking with Comics. But I remember talking about it, and I just always thought that the, the people that run Archie are so fucking smart because they just know how to dodge and weave with the times man i mean i feel like they saved their brand big time yeah no they definitely did it definitely did so so all right well let's call it then so uh until next time i am sean and i'm chris and this is a most horrible library and everybody out there just uh thanks for listening keep reading you can find us on social media uh you know the horror vision which we are under the umbrella of uh we we are both on that show as well we have a facebook discussion group look that up Some great stuff being posted there great discussions uh instagram twitter uh you know the whole shebang so eventually yeah. we'll have a tiktok <laughs> i mean we and, actually have a tiktok but i i just don't know what to do with it yet <laughs> yeah and uh, in the meantime if uh, anybody out there has any books that they would like us to uh to take a look at Um, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to. And we're always looking for, for more things to read. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well said. So, okay. Until next time, everybody stay safe, stay scared and keep reading.